My name is Ward Strasser. I'm with the Healthcare Executives Network, and I'm here today with Dr. David Nash, Dean of the School of Population Health for Thomas Jefferson University. Welcome, Dr. Nash. What I'd like to do is talk a little bit with our audience about uh, population health program and specifically what it is. Um, in your words, how would you describe it? Great. Well, first of all, thanks for the opportunity. I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of this program. So I'm a primary care general internist. I've been a faculty member at Thomas Jefferson University, which, by the way, is not in Virginia, but is in downtown Philadelphia. I've been a faculty member at uh, Thomas Jefferson for 25 years, uh, the last uh, six years as dean of our School of Population Health. Uh, Thomas Jefferson University is a health sciences university. That means all we do is healthcare education. So we have uh, six schools, uh, medical school, nursing school, pharmacy school, allied health, graduate science, and the school that I lead, the School of Population Health, plus our 610-bed medical school hospital. That's the university. So we have an undefeated basketball team. <laughs> don't got one. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. So, um, so why did you create the Population Health Program? Tell me what was the origin, thoughts going through your mind, what you saw. Well, seven years ago, so three years before health reform, seven years ago, our university president at that time, Dr. Robert Barchi, now president of Rutgers, in 2007, the Board of Trustees had gone through a strategic planning process, and as part of building the profile of the university, the board and the president uh, wanted to add an additional school to the downtown campus. So that was one sure stimulus to building the school. The second stimulus was the widespread recognition, even seven years ago, that the status quo was not tenable, that we had to come up with another different educational model to build leaders for a rapidly evolving healthcare system. So I think there were two compelling reasons, the environment and the need to build new type of leadership and the recognition that health reform was around the corner. I just mm. happened to be at the right place at the right time. At that point in 2007, I was a medical school department chair of the Department of Health Policy inside Jefferson Medical College. So we took our department, took it out of the medical school, built uh, using that as the foundation. We built the school uh, around that core foundation, and it's been an incredible ride ever since 2010 with the advent of the Affordable Care Act. Hmm. So, so tell me, what is Jefferson doing differently to effectively address population health? Well, how great. So we are the only school of population health in the whole darn country. And that'll every do week, it. Yeah, that'll do it. Every week I get a phone <laughs> call that goes something like this. Hi, David. Could you tell us everything you've done in the last six years to build your new school for free in the next half hour? <laughs> so it is wonderful to be a first market mover, but, of course, we have lots of people who are, uh, you know, nipping at our at our heels. So let me tell you what our school does. We have four master's degrees under one roof, a very traditional, fully accredited master's in public health. That's our program at night for adult learners who come to campus. And then around that, we've built three exclusively online master's degrees. Let me quickly list them for you. 
We have a master's degree in health policy. We have a master's degree in healthcare quality and safety. And we have a master's degree in applied health economics and outcomes research, plus public health. So we have four master's degrees. Uh, it, it's No one has put these four degrees together anywhere else, even worldwide. So we, uh, we like to think of ourselves as a little bit as the innovation engine on our campus. Hmm. So, Dr. Nett, which one is the most popular? That's out of a great those question. Issues? The largest enrollment is still in our MPH program at night. Second biggest program is the quality and safety with doctors, nurses, and pharmacists across more than 28 states and a couple of foreign countries. Third is our health policy program. The newest and smallest program with still about a dozen people in it is the Applied Health Economics and Outcomes Research of course, that applies to a rather narrow but super highly educated and motivated group of people, largely inside the life sciences uh, industry, who are interested in understanding the competitive nature of their products. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so in your um, Lehigh, Lehigh Valley Health Network, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. In, in your last summer letter, um, you mentioned... Uh, there's an article that a healthcare network that gets it. Yeah, so I have a um, <clears throat> pretty active blog that we call Nash on the Road. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we do here is um, uh, at the moment I am giving a presentation at an integrated delivery system at a state hospital association at a national IT company, but once a week, year-round, I am on the road talking about population health and healthcare quality and safety. So in calendar year 2013, we gave 45 out of the city airplane requiring presentations. We use my travel schedule to create Nash on the Road. In May of this year, May of 14, I had the privilege of giving an endowed lecture at the Lehigh Valley Health Network in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, about 90 minutes north of Philadelphia. And that's a wonderful, wonderful place with a, a large uh, community hospital at its core, a large uh, number of employed physicians and an integrated multi-specialty group practice. And I talked about it in my blog because they are very effectively, in my opinion, bearing risk for their clinical decision-making. They've... Uh, implemented standards of care. They've created a culture, if you will, that's very much aligned where we believe the healthcare system is going. So that was just one of many uh, blog posts that I do on an average once a week based on my travel. Yeah, you, speaking of blog posts, start, start me up. Yeah, start me up. <laughs> that's, Boy, that yeah, was yeah. fun. <laughs> the All Scripts um, experience in Chicago. Yeah. Yes, and technology yes. promoting population health. Tell me about that. Uh, uh, well, kind of a little bit of what we're doing now. So. Well, that's so exciting. So, of course, Allscripts is probably the top uh, three or four health information technology company in the country, uh, Epic, Cerner, Allscripts. I had the real privilege of being the kickoff plenary speaker following the CEO's comments at their annual users group. They call it ACE. ACE, All Scripts Client Event. And uh, yes, 3,600 people in the McCormick Center in Chicago. It doesn't get much better than that for a guy like me. And uh, <laughs> I had only half an hour 
but I tried very, very hard to at least define where we think population health is going. The fun part of that for me was um, not too often do I get asked, what song would you like to have playing when you get up to the podium? So I thought, well, my favorite group of all time, of course, is the Rolling Stones. And then I thought, start me up. That sounds like a perfect song. So there you go. (laughs) So did you define um, what you were trying to define as far as technology? and talked about population health. It's a classic definition. says that there are three components. Uh, The first is pretty straightforward, morbidity and mortality. That's uh, one measure. The second measure says, hey, there are socioeconomic issues that certainly affect the health of the population, sometimes called social determinants of health. That's part two. And part three are laws and policies that affect health, like the Affordable Care Act. When you mix all three, morbidity, mortality, social determinants, and the law of the land, boy, you learn very quickly that Hospitals are one tiny, tiny part of the story. The 85% of the story is what goes on in the community. And that's one definition of population health. The other definition, of course, in the post-ACA world is we are at economic risk for a certain predefined number of people in the population, and we have to improve their health or we won't get paid. They're pretty closely related definitions, but we call one the academic definition and we call the second one more of the operational definition. And as I said, I had about 25 minutes to kind of put that all together for the all scripts attendees. The connection to information technology, of course, is pretty straightforward. Without a registry function, without being able to communicate to our patients and to one another and to coordinate care. If you can't coordinate, communicate, and engage with patients, you'll never be able to practice population health. So you would bet that the 3,600 attendees really resonated with my message. Mm, Absolutely, absolutely. Um, To shift gears, the Grandin Society. Mm. Can you tell Uh, me about that a little bit? Well, thanks for asking. So... Dr. Raymond C. Grandin and his beautiful wife, Doris, they're now in their early 90s. Wow. Dr. Grandin is a 1945 graduate of Jefferson Medical College. (laughs) I know, it's staggering, isn't it? Ten years before I was born. Uh, Dr. Grandin is a tremendous supporter of our work, and he endowed my chair, the Grandin Chair, with an incredibly generous $1.5 million donation to Thomas Jefferson University. So I'm the inaugural Grandin Chair holder. And as part of their ongoing support, we named our membership society the Grandin Society. And the Grandin Society is exactly that. It's a development opportunity for our school. And for modest annual membership fees, we provide members of the Grandin Society with special access to our faculty, to our forum, to our annual population health colloquium. So it's really a a wonderful group of supporters, both locally and nationally, who interact with our school, and we use it for scholarship support for our students. Interesting. Sounds very interesting. Um, I'd love to have more members, so Uh, Thank you for asking. (laughs) Perfect. Um, 
one last question I do have is, from your perspective, what are we not doing? What are we now working on as a society that we should be? My goodness, what a great question. Well, uh, we could spend an hour on that. Let me give you my top-of-mind answer, which is we've got to radically change medical education. Think of it this way. If you think of medical school as sort of the healthcare factory, we're building a rear-wheel-drive Ford Pinto for a market that needs a Tesla. And we've got to change everything. We've got to change the admissions process. We've got to teach quality and safety. We have to teach beyond one patient, one problem, one at a time. We should cut out half of all the basic science nonsense that they'll never need. I mean, where should I begin? But if we train a different type of physician leader for the future, in my view, that'll go a long way toward improving the health of the population. Part two would be change the pernicious economic incentives. We've got to go away from private practice fee-for-service into a world of value for the money that we're spending. So in a nutshell, from volume to value. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I am Ward Strasser with the Healthcare Executives Network, here today with Dr. David Nash. And thank you very much, David Nash, for your time and efforts. Thank you. Dr. David Nash, again, is with the Thomas Jefferson University School of Population Health.